0: Hi, everyone. I'm Kyle Boucher, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum, where experts provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. On this episode of the AAF Exchange, we're continuing our discussion over the economic impact and response over COVID-19 with AAF's President, Douglas holtz Doug, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. How is uh, how is uh, quarantine going for you this week?
1: Oh, just great. I mean, this is my favorite pandemic, no question.
0: <laughs> Seems like it's the uh, quarantine that will never end. Um, I feel like my my days are spent between discovering a new room in my house to work in. I, I find myself exhausted at the end of every day, and I, I think I figured out
1: why. I do so many things now by uh, Zoom and Teams and things like that, that you have to stare at the screen the whole time, and you don't get to space out and sort of look around, and it's that constant focus all day. I'm
0: exhausted.
1: I, I realize I, I paid no attention most of the
0: time. <laughs> I feel the same way. I, I also saw um, that, that meme that's going around uh, the internet where um, it's you put a different glass of wine in each of your rooms, and they call that your wine tour for the weekend. I think that might be what, what my weekend is going to uh, involve this weekend. I'm doing a virtual wine tasting uh, Saturday night at 6. Oh, that sounds awesome.
1: There's a you know we have a, a wine expert of, uh, out there. We bought all bought the wines, and so everyone who zooms in is going to have have bought the wines in advance. We're going to
0: taste them and have a discussion. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some of the economics of coronavirus that are happening right now. Um, at this point, Congress has passed three bills responding to the coronavirus pandemic, with the third bill, the CARES Act, being you know the largest um, stimulus bill in the nation's history. Uh, but members of congress and the administration are already talking about a fourth package what does this tell us about what's happening right now
1: yeah so let's let's just review the bidding uh bill number one was uh uh, targeted on you know money for the the health response eight billion dollars really not part of the economic response at all second bill the Families first act uh, put in some expanded unemployment insurance created a a paid sick leave program for the first time Um, significant um, advances on sort of Helping households in the in the crisis, and then the third one, the CARES Act, has these these four big pieces. Uh, piece number one being help for the the quote struggling industries, uh, the airlines, um, uh, the defense related industries. Uh, those are, I think, in in uh, really directed at maintaining the security of the economy, keeping the supply chain, keeping the defense related uh, foundation in good shape. Second big piece, uh, five hundred odd billion dollars at Treasury to backstop lending to to larger companies and I want to come back to that news on that today and then uh, the the um, the big deal on on the small businesses uh, having the SBA have 350 billion dollars to, to backstop loans to small businesses which if they keep all their employees just turn into grants they never have to repay them and that's a, a key part of the response that that's new and different and I want to come to that as well uh, and then the last piece aid to the households you know checks you've heard a lot about that um, and You know, those four pillars, I think, uh, are are really what the economy needs. Um, In terms of the events of today, so today's uh, the ninth. The Federal Reserve announced this morning uh, the creation of $2.3 trillion worth of lending capability designed to pair up with the CARES Act. So now, when a bank makes a loan under the Paycheck Protection Program, the the Small Business Lending Program, the Fed will turn around and buy that loan from the bank. Uh, They'll buy 95 cents out of every dollar. What that does is, number one, uh, since these loans are supposed to go bad, it relieves the bank of carrying a bad loan on its balance sheet. That's in and of itself not very attractive. Second thing is, you know, they loaned a dollar. Now they have uh, essentially another dollar to loan to someone else. So we should get a lot more lending out into the small business community. That's a big uh, step by the Fed. Uh, They also announced how they're going to do the lending to the bigger companies, Uh, the Main Street Lending Program. Same kind of deal. Uh, a bank makes a loan to a company, uh, they can, can turn around and sell it to the Fed. So the Fed's working very hard to make sure that these programs that were set up and the money that was, was put into backstop them turns into actual loans to, to uh, businesses, whether they're small or large. And I think that's a, a tremendous development. The second thing is just a terminology thing. Um, uh, this is not really stimulus. Um, and I think there's some confusion about that. Uh, this is really economic life support right? You're injecting some funds into a firm and the idea is to keep the firm whole and allow it to continue to survive financially and to keep the employees on the payroll and allow them to survive financially. But unlike conventional stimulus, it's not supposed to boost the economy and make it grow. It's really just trying to keep it alive to get past the pandemic. And then we worry about the growth problem. So right now, the main job is really having all these, these loan programs so that everyone has the bridge financing to get to the to the past the peak the pandemic.
0: Mm, I think that's a great point on the terminology. I mean, I watch the news almost daily, and if you were to just, I mean, I asked it as asked it as a question of the stimulus bill. So, I mean, even I, you know, would just assume that that's what it is essentially. Which
1: I, I think it's important to note that this is unlike anything else we've done before, right? We, we've never created th- at this scale this kind of broad-based support for businesses, main street businesses, small and large across the country. We had some things in the 2008 crisis that were there for financial markets, but there's never been anything like this. And I think they deserve credit for inventing something so novel so quickly in the crisis. Now, what we've learned since is passing the bill is the easy part. Now getting the money out is, is turning out to be the challenge and, and right. we'll see how well we do.
0: So I mean, this is this is our third episode on the CARES Act. I mean, well, on coronavirus, and we discussed the CARES Act in almost every single one. What have we learned that's new over the past week about the impact of the CARES Act? Um, I, I think we learned that um, speed is of the
1: essence because you know we continue to get these remarkably uh, depressing uh, uninsurance numbers, right? So we we had four million people apply for uh, unemployment insurance. And then we had 6 million the next week, and now we've had another 6 million uh, in the most recent week. So there are 16 million people out there who are newly unemployed. That means that there's a lot of distress in the US economy, and and getting this money out fast is important. I think that's what led the Fed to move so quickly. Um, It's really, you know, if you think about the, the small business program, there's been a lot of talk about how SBA struggled to get the money out and how banks are favoring. Uh, existing customers over over people they don't know, and you know the, the usual sorts of hiccups that come with starting up a program. The, the Fed is essentially saying, "We're just going to take whatever loan you make. Don't worry about it. Lend." And I think that's an important step.
0: Worry about worry about it later. Yeah. What numbers or indicators should we be looking at for measures of success?
1: I, I think what you want to see is um, a slowdown in these claims for unemployment insurance. That's the that's one of the most um, uh, frequent pieces of data we get. We get it weekly. Most things we get like monthly. And so you're always looking at economic history. Um, and it's one of the most reliable indicators of the path of the economy. Sharp increases in, in, in uh, claims for insurance have always been bad news. Sharp decreases are what we now need to see.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, most of the monthly data we get too, I mean, I, I, is is lagging a month behind, right?
1: Right. So, you know, in early April, we're getting all the data on March, and by and large, the, the first half of March was was relatively unscathed. You know, when we when we get to May and we start looking at the April data, you're going to see some some pretty horrific numbers. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, something I wouldn't say to look forward to, but something to watch watch for certainly. Right. You know, I've heard a lot of, over the past couple of days about. Um, I, I think the Senate is certainly working on this right now about the small business loan part of the bill needing more money something go, what, what's going on there
1: so i think it's good news that they need more money like you and i can't look into uh the coffers of the Office of management budget and see how much is still sitting there how much has gone out but if it's true that they are in danger of exhausting 350 billion dollars that is a good news story it means that they're getting commitments to put money into those small businesses certainly if you look at the the scale of revenue that's been lost by small businesses, 350 billion should not have been enough, and so putting more in there makes sense. Um, I, I think I think I'm encouraged by that. Now they have to get it done, right? I mean, they they need to get something to the House and the Senate, and we're seeing the usual sort of you know, staking out opening positions on the Republican Democratic side. Republicans want just that money, nothing else. Democrats have a list of priorities. We'll see where they end up. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good good uh, transition to start talking about a little bit more about, you know, what's next? What's what phase four might look like? Um, Will more money for the small business loans be central to phase four? Um, Is this going to be like the iPhone situation where, you know, we had phase three, but now we're going to have the phase three S where, you know, we have a couple of upgrades, but not quite the, you know, not quite the next, the next generation. What, you know, this this is is the first pandemic iPhone analogy I've ever heard. No, I, it I could do. It was the best I could do off the top of my head. So, so there, there's a uh,
1: several different viewpoints on this. I, I don't agree with a lot of the, the way the the, the post pandemic policy is being framed up. So you hear people saying, "All right, phase four, big stimulus package. You know, we're we're going to make the economy grow and stimulus, conventional stimulus, which involves either the government just spending money to create demand for goods or services or tax cuts so that individuals have more money to spend on goods and services. All those conventional Keynesian tools are appropriate when supply conditions are are normal and people just decided they don't want to spend for whatever reason and you want to jumpstart that spending. When we come out of this, supply conditions are not going to be normal. It is appropriate to think of this as an ongoing supply disruption. I think most of the uh, experts anticipate that the virus will, you know, revisit us in the fall, if not, if nothing else, and that'll create some, you know, regional shutdowns, you know, some some headwinds uh, the, of the type that we're seeing right now. That's a disruption in supply. Um, a lot of businesses. If you think about, you're running a big business. What are you going to do first thing? Are you going to hire lots of workers and expand? No. You're going to take a look at your business and say, okay. God forbid this this virus reappear on us on a, on, a, on a big scale, how do we survive it next time? We had to, you know, flee the building and, and and work from home. Let's make sure everyone has equipment at home. Let's make sure everyone has Wi-Fi at home. Let's um let's let's change the physical space so there's more uh, distance between them. You know, factory lines can't be jammed together anymore if we want them to run, we have to have more space. That's going to require an enormous amount of energy, effort and money. Mm-hmm. And that's all money that will not go into making businesses grow. It's going to be money that goes into making them capable of operating under distressed circumstances, where where the virus is out there. Um, to me, that that that's going to slow down the pace of growth coming out. And it isn't going to matter if you give people more, you know, conventional stimulus. If the problem is businesses aren't getting big enough to supply it, that's not, we need to solve that problem first. So, for me. The right way to think about the, the post um, uh, sort of peak uh, policy is what do you want to do to provide better incentives for growing the economy over the long term so that you can offset some of these, these difficulties in supply, it's more expensive to run your business, things like that. Well, we, we know that, um, for example, the Tax and Jobs Act had some business provisions like expensing that were intended to offset costly investments. they're they're set to expire so let's make some things permanent like the the individual tax rates the expensing uh the r d credits to to the innovation so that those incentives are there whenever businesses have a chance to take care take care of them take advantage of them don't think you're smart enough to know oh we'll do the stimulus in third quarter or fourth quarter and you might do it at the wrong time so just do something that's going to be beneficial over the long term i think that's the right way to think about
0: it yeah yeah certainly a lot of good things that I, even I wouldn't think of, especially like the flipping, the sw- when, when we go back to work, you know, um, or back to normal, I should say, thinking about like all those, how do we weather this in the future type stuff? I certainly would never have crossed my mind, but excellent point. Are we seeing any other um, concrete proposals coming together over phase over phase four? Well, we, we hear
1: um, um, some, some interest in about $150 billion for state and local governments. I think that's that's an interesting um, policy question right now for the following reason um, if you talk to state budget officers they certainly have a lot of distress the estimates you know yeah. are out of whack by about 400 billion dollars most of it seems to be lost revenue if you shut down you know uh, retail sales hotels uh, you, you wipe out the sales tax base in most states and, and and they're they're seeing it right so they have big problems but it's it's revenue shortfalls and if we Stop shutting things down. That should come back. That sounds like what they need is the same kind of bridge loan that everyone else needs to get through the pandemic. Not mm-hmm. some sort of, you know, sort of uh, uh, different kind of uh, financing. The Fed has, as part of its its large scale efforts, opened up a place where municipalities can can sell bonds to the Fed, and so you can do short term borrowing and look whether it's a city or a state, go to the Fed and, and get some money. So there's already a bridge loan facility, and, and I'm interested to see if they take advantage of it, and if maybe that's enough, and we don't need to do something in Congress. I, I don't know the answer. I could be wrong. It could be we need some more money. That's that. That's one thing that's in discussion. Uh, there's there's more money for hospitals. Um, not surprising. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a need out there in the on the boots on the ground in the health sector. So I I, I think those two pieces are are going to be the most you know notable ones that
0: we hear. Mm-hmm. Is there any proposals out there that you're that you're seeing in these in these bills um, or these ideas that you think would do more harm than good? Absolutely. Uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi has uh, floated the idea of
1: extending the special federal unemployment insurance benefit of $600 per week past July 31st. Yeah, um, that's a really terrible idea, which I like even less than that. Um, the problem here is that. $600 a week is $15 an hour. Uh, it is available for anyone who gets uh, unemployment insurance, including, for example, a part-time worker. So you can make a lot more money being on unemployment insurance right now than you, than you can on a job. That's OK, since we're not actually you know, operating the economy. Everything's locked down, and between now and July, that's not going to be terribly harmful. But if you're trying to restore normal operations, and it's better to be on unemployment insurance than working, we're going to have a big problem. So that that there should be a big bright line that says anything that suggests doing that is is veto is material.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was hoping you would bring that up because I read your dish this morning. So I asked that question intentionally to uh, to uh, hopefully bring We're up. This? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know I, I'm one of your 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 faithful readers. Um, making sure you get that open rate on on it. Which, by the way, if people aren't if listeners at home aren't signed up for the daily dish, it is an excellent. Uh, newsletter where you get to hear all of Doug's thoughts. Um no, the no that's not true. Sure the just takes them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes reading the the rough draft is almost better than reading the 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 uh the version that comes out. However, the the stuff that still comes out, I think, is pretty still entertaining, especially when you do your poetry or your your Twizzler uh knowledge. Well, it's all pretty pretty entertaining. It's it, it's a it's a great burden being the poet laureate of AAF, but I'm I'm doing what I can. <laughs> <laughs> so in your in your last podcast, uh, you mentioned uh, the phase four should be um, about the economy on the other side of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, has that changed at all in your mind?
1: No. Um, you know, th- they are uh, fussing over something they're calling phase three a or whatever, which is mm-hmm. you know making the CARES Act a little bigger where they need it to be. Um, but but the next substantial legislation really should be tailored to the conditions on the ground post peak pandemic. Since we don't know those, I think it's premature for people to sort of lock in and say, well, it's got to be this, this or this. Um, some of that is simply politicians taking advantage of the crisis to do something they want to get done anyway. And so they, they're sure they want to have that in there. But that, does, that means it's by definition not responsive to the crisis. So I think we want to avoid that to the greatest extent possible.
0: Mm hmm. Okay, so um, for the final question, I'm going to put us into a strange world where you're in charge of Congress. Um, You have all the you have all the power. Um, When would you propose a phase four? And what would your central parts be? So I, I think
1: they should propose a phase a phase four when they're back in the chambers, because when they're back in the chambers, we're capable of going back to work. And we will have ascertain to the best of the public health mission's ability, um, who can work, how they uh, they manage work in those circumstances. And that means we know the conditions on the ground. That's exactly the right time to do it. But there should be no phone call negotiations and no coming to an agreement without someone actually being in the chamber to vote. And, and that's, that's my litmus test. Got
0: it. Um, I'll give you any final words of optimism, encouragement that you want to give.
1: Well, I think people should be, um, optimistic. I mean, this is, you know, not not my favorite moment in history. It's, it's personally quite, uh, challenging. And I think we're all just bored out of our minds in some ways, but, uh, you know, we came into this with a strong economy. Uh, there's no reason why we can't, uh, restore that economy. Um, it requires at this point more patience than anything else. Um, and, um, whatever we might think of our Congress and, and our presidents, um, in this instance, they they did something remarkable, uh, large and necessary, very quickly, and I and I think people should recognize that.
0: Yeah, well, I'm certainly looking forward to getting back to normal. I'm certainly looking forward to doing a podcast again where we're actually face to face and not doing another Zoom or Team or conference call.
1: Well, um, I look forward to that as well, and uh, hope it comes soon.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today, Doug, and uh, look forward to talking to you again next week.
1: Look forward to it as well. Take care.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode, where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic issues. I'd also encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes, and also follow us on social media to learn more about AAF. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play.